It is Easter Sunday morning, 2022, and we are living in strange days. Today we exist in weird days, in strange days. Now think about it with me this morning, if you would. Today we live in a world where people are so neglected that there are actually debates about which lives matter. And people get mad over whose life can be declared to matter. I want to tell you today, Jesus says, whoever you are, your life immensely matters. But that is our day. That is our world. Today we live in a country with a government for the people and by the people, and yet it operates at the expense of the people and is not trusted by any of the people. Republicans or Democrats, you both can get mad. That is our day. That's the day that we're living in. Today we live in a, in a world with a terrible, terrible virus that a mask won't keep you from getting it, but might keep you from spreading it. And a vaccine won't keep you from spreading it, but might keep you from getting it. And if you get it, you go to a hospital that is full, but yet they can't afford to pay the nurses while the drug companies are all getting absolutely rich. That is the day that we're living in. Today, our nation is drowning in inflation. Last night, Will asked me what that means. Let me explain inflation. Inflation means your income goes up, and so the price of goods and services goes up more. And so your income increase results in a purchasing power decrease. Now, let me make that simple, meaning you have more money but your money buys less. And when you spend your money on the things that cost more money, the bottom line is, even with an increase in money, you now have less money. That's inflation. That's the days we're living in. These are strange days. Today we have raised a generation on a media called social, only to find out that all the hours on social media makes people actually anti-social. That is the day we're living in. Today we pay monthly money, and I'll just tell you, it is big money. We pay monthly money to hold in our hands phones that are smart, and the result for our investment is people that are dumb and getting dumber. That's the day we are living in. Now I could go on and on, but these are strange days. And I want to tell you, worse than all of that, these are hard days that we're living in. These are tough times that we're living in. And if you look around today, people are hurting. And that's why folks act the way they do. People are hurting. Kids are suffering today. Look around. Homes are falling apart today. Wickedness surrounds us in the day that we're living in today. What is right is called wrong. And what is wrong is celebrated as right. People are angry and people are mad and, and our nation, our world is divided. And as a result of all that, people are depressed and they're, they're hopeless and their lives are filled with stress and anxiety. And I want to tell you, these are hard days, tough days that we are living in. Easter 2022, we live in hard days. But I want you to hear me. Are you listening? I want you to hear me. Today on Easter 2022, 
whoever you are and wherever you are at today and whatever condition you find yourself in today, I want you to hear me this morning on this Easter Sunday morning. There is a foundation today that stands. There is a hope today that endures. There is an anchor today that holds. It hasn't been jerked up. There is a truth today that is trustworthy. There is a peace today that is sure. All because 7,404.2 miles from this pulpit, there is a grave that is empty today. We have good news today. Friends, Jesus today is alive. Listen, there is good news surrounded by all this. There is good news today. I want to tell you something. I'm tired of bad news. And I'm, I'm sick and tired of bad news. I, I've had all I want of the bad news. But I want to tell you on this Easter Sunday morning, friends, I have come to tell you there is good news. We have Good news. Here's what I want you to do. Some of you aren't going to like it. I want you to say with me today, there is good news. I mean like you mean it. <laughs> now I mean like there's an empty tomb. Listen to me. There is good news. There is good news. Our message today is entitled, some of you aren't coming back. I'm not coming back. The message today is entitled, The Good News of Great Joy. The Good News of Great Joy. Our verses today are found in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. I'm almost embarrassed to tell you that. You're going to see in a while in a minute. Luke chapter 2, today verses 8 through 11. The Good News of great joy. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, says this. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come and we rejoice today. We're thankful today. We praise you today. We're thankful for good news today. Lord, I pray now that you would speak and I pray it wouldn't be me. And I pray it wouldn't be a church. I pray it wouldn't be a denomination. I pray it would be the word of God that speaks today. Lord, I pray in your word that you would encourage us. I pray that in your word that there would be some that would find you today. I pray, Lord, that we would embrace and hear and hold high the good news that we're about to hear today. Lord, help us have understanding. Remove any barrier. And then, Lord, I come and I just tell you, you are awesome. You are amazing. You are tremendous. I love you. We love you. We exalt you. I pray that you would move in this hour, move in this service, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Now, first off this morning, I want to say, no, I did not get my holidays mixed up. And no, I did not grab the wrong sermon on the way out of my office. And no, I'm not getting senile. Now, that probably is debatable. I, three weeks ago, picked these verses for today. Now, you say, well, these are Christmas verses. I picked these verses for today. Here's what we need to see today. Now, stay with me. Here's what we need to see today. The announcement of Christmas is the event of Easter, and both are the good news of today. Now, let me say that again. I want you to be sure of that. The announcement of Christmas is the event of Easter, and both are the good news of today. Now, sometimes we talk about good news, and we're excited about good news. We get excited about it, but we fail to make plain just what the good news is. We talk about we have good news, we're excited, but we, we fail to make it understood exactly what the good news is. And so the question is, what is the good news? Now, let me tell you, I'm glad we have it, but it's really not good news until we understand it. And that's the point of today. That's the focus for today. It is good news. I'm glad we have it, but it's really not good news until we understand it. And so I want you, that's getting personal. I want you to be able to leave and maybe as never before, and maybe some even for the very first time, I want you to say, I have good news. I have good news. You know what? The world is hard and times are hard and finances are hard and relationships are hard and, and some of you, your prognosis with your health, it's hard. But I want us to be able to walk out of here and understand I have good news. The announcement of Christmas is the event of Easter and both are the good news of today. Now let's look at our verses this morning. For the context, understand that the angel appears to the shepherds when he makes this awesome announcement. It has been a long time, about 400 years, since the last Old Testament prophet spoke. Uh, in this time, in this 400 years, bringing us to the point we are in our verses today, religious practice has become corrupted. The priest, and, and in fact many others, are using the religious system as a platform for personal gain. Now, not only that, there is a merging going on between God's Word and God's people and the world that is around them. Really, they are compromising with the world that is around them. They might remember portions of God's word. They might remember some of the promises made to God's people, but they are found compromising with the wicked world around them. And in that time, while possessing the promise that God would send a Savior, the Christ, most are living in disregard of that truth. Now think about that. God has promised them he would send a Savior. He would send the Messiah. And most of them, knowing that promise, are living in disregard of that truth. Most are living neglecting the truth that the Messiah was to come. 
this time for the most part could be described as a hopeless age. Time moves on. People are born and people die. They pass away. Business is carried out. Routine is the mark of the day. It's the order of the day. And time is marching on. Time is moving on. It is a hopeless day. And then. Now, before I look at the message of our verses this morning, isn't that our day? Isn't that our day? Religion seems so empty, so powerless, so routine. People are, are busy, and man, they're busy, and they've got this, and they've got that, and the kids have to be here, and we have to accomplish these things, and they're, they're moving to the things of life, but there's no real purpose. There's no real joy. We go along and we're paying the bills and we're existing and we're, we're trying as we move along to somehow trump up hope and joy and maybe it'll be through the things we buy or maybe the trips that we take or the activities that we have, the relationships that we have, but there's no real joy, no hope. Isn't that our day? We're just moving to the next day. We're just existing to the next day. And yes, we may smile and find some good things in the meantime, but there's no true joy. Well, that was their day. That is our day. And into that, God speaks. All right, starting with our verses today in verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. It's talking about the region of Bethlehem. They had traveled there. It is a small town outside of Jerusalem. And the Bible says in that same area, in that same region, there were some shepherds out with their flocks watching them at night. Now from the context, most likely these were the sheep that were used for the sacrifices at the temple. And it was their trade, it was the shepherd's trade to provide this vast number of sheep for the things going on at the temple, for those that would travel into town. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. Verse 9. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. The account goes on on a regular night. There is this awesome, really radical, wild occurrence that takes place. The Bible says they're out with the sheep. They're watching the sheep. And the Bible says the angel, an angel of the Lord appears and the glory of the Lord, I can't even imagine what that means, what that looks like. The glory of the Lord shone around them. Well, the Bible says, the shepherd's response, it says, and seeing that, they were terribly frightened. Now, I can't even imagine what they saw. I can't imagine what my response would be. Sometimes we like to think we would have this great response. But at seeing all this, they're terribly frightened. They're struck with terror. I bet they were. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping their watch over the flock by night. 
And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. Right now, on to our key verses today. The message from God. Now, see this. The message is from God. Why? Because the Savior is from God. Now, we're going to see that as we move through the verses. That's going to be built upon. But get this up front today. I want you to get this up front. The reason we have good news is because God is gracious and God is kind and God is merciful. The reason we have good news is because God is compassionate and he loves people. Do you see that? The reason we have good news is because our God is a loving God. And so we see, we have good news. Well, the reason we have good news is because God is gracious and kind to us, a loving God. All right, so here we go. Buckle your seatbelts, verse 10. Did I say that out loud? But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Just reading that, it seems like December. It's a little bit cooler. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Let's look at this. Do not be afraid, for behold, the word behold means in the original language, in the Greek, see. That's what it means. Look. Be aware. It is a call to observe something. It is a call to be aware of something. It means this. Do not miss this. Behold this. See this. Get this. Do not miss this. The first thing today is this. God's good news is announced. God's good news is to be known. It is not hidden. It is not put away somewhere in secret. It is announced. The angel says, see it. Don't miss it. Get this. The good news is announced. He goes on. And behold, I bring you, deliver to you good news. Now, the word for good news is the Greek word for gospel. It literally translates good tidings, good story, good account. It translates gospel. Now, it's going to get better and better as we go through our verses, but do not miss this. We have good news. We have, sometimes I think that gets robbed away from us, I think sometimes that gets stolen away from us. We are not absent of good news. We have good news. I announce to you, do not miss it. I bring you good news. The reason we have good news is not only because God announces it, but because God provides it. We're going to see that again in a moment. Now, here's an awesome thing. Short little verse. But the rest of the, this verse, verse 10, describes the good news. I announce to you, I don't want you to miss it, good news. Now, in verse 11, it's going to tell us what the good news is, but the rest of verse 10 is going to describe the good news. And so the rest of the, word, the verse is describing the good news. It says this, the good news is 
of great joy. Of great joy. Now, there's so much in the word meaning here, and I'm, I'm just going to keep breaking it down piece by piece. It says, good news of great joy. The word great is the original language, the word megas. Megas. We get from that mega. McDonald's gets from that mega size. It means large, great, widest. I don't know if I should take offense at that, but that's what it means, widest. Most literally, here's what it means, most literally. Surprisingly large. Surprisingly large. Now, I want you to picture this. You're expecting big, and it's huge. And you're expecting huge, but it is so huge that it surprises you. That is that word, megas. It is surprisingly huge. It's the biggest of the big. It's the widest of the wides. It is big, so big, it is surprising you. It says, of great, megas, joy. Joy is a word that is very awesome, very interesting. It means delight, rejoicing. Most, most, the best definition, rejoicing. Now, it's more than just pleased. You see, there's pleased. I, I, I come home and there's a ribeye steak. I'm pleased. It, it, it's more than just glad. The kids actually put the milk up. I'm glad. But it is joy. Do you see a difference? There's pleased. There's glad. There's happy. This is talking about joy. Now, I want you to watch this. And when God puts the two words together, he is saying the message that he is about to tell us, this good news produces huge joy. God tells us the good news is of such a nature that there's not just happiness as a response. There's not just a measure of joy as a response. There's not just big joy as a response, but there is astounding, surprising, wide joy. Now, I want to tell you what that most literally means. It actually means there is joyous, joy-filled, overrunning joy. That's what it means. There's not just joy. There is joyous, overrunning, filled to the top joy. Megas joy. Couldn't you use some good news like that? You ever receive good news like that? I think back about days, man, they were awesome. Days that were tremendous. First time you hold one of your kids, man, that's joy, isn't it? Good things that God blesses with, man, that's joy, isn't it? Well, God says the message I'm about to tell you is overflowing, overrunning, joyous joy. Joy producing and filled with and overrunning enjoy. Here's the deal. We have that good news. Couldn't you use good news like that? We have that good news. That's what God is telling us in that verse. Now, there's one last description of the good news before we get to the good news. And I'll just tell you, I love it. I love it. 
It's the end of verse 10. And describing the good news, before we get to the good news, it says this. And I just love it, and I want you to hear it. It says this. Which will be for all the people. I want you to hear me. I'm going to read that slowly. The mega joy producing good news, the good news that we have, which will be for all the people. I want you to notice here, it says that the good news will be for all the right people. It's not what it says. It says the good news will be for all the sheep herding people. It's not what it says. It says it'll be for all the priestly people with their fancy robes down at the temple. It's not what it says. It says it'll be for all the religious scribe people. Not what it says. It says it'll be for all the Hebrew race people that can trace their lineage and they're so proud of the tribe they come from. It's not what it says. It says it'll be for all the certain kind, not like the other kind people. No, listen to me. It's not what it says. I want to tell you the good news is, and I'm so glad for my sake of it, the good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Friends, I want you to be sure. If there is an announcement of good news, but it's not for all of the people, it's not good news. If you want to start marking off this group and that group and this group, and you got an exclusive group, if the announcement of good news excludes some people or even most people, listen to me, it is not good news. Now listen, if you can't hear me today, hear the angel of old, the messenger of God, for he says, this good news is for all people. I want to tell you today as I preach in this pulpit, I don't have to shrink back. And I don't have to go around and I don't have to mumble around. And I don't have to make my words so crazy you can't understand them. And I don't have to redefine everything with three different definitions. But I can stand in this pulpit and I can declare to you. And I listen, I don't have to flinch to say, oh, sinner, there is good news for you. Oh, sinner, there is good news for you. Thank the Lord. You see, if there's a group that excludes somebody, I might be in it. If there's a group that didn't do all the things, that didn't stack up all the prestige, I for sure would be in it. But our Savior says the good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. It is including you. Praise the Lord. We're not even to the good news yet. So what is the good news? Verse 11. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. For today, in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, let's look at verse 11. For today, in the city of David, that's that town Bethlehem, there has been born for you, listen to the words, there has been born for you 
What that means is the good news is a man, a flesh and blood human, born as a person, able to be the Savior and the good news of people. And so in this town close to here, born for you is a man, is a person. It says, born is a Savior. So important. It's from the Greek word soter. It means deliverer, preserver, the most literal translation, one that brings to safety. And so born for you is a savior. The good news for all people is there has been born one who can and will deliver, one who can and will preserve. That means save unto life, one that can bring people to safety. Born for you is a savior. It says, who is Christ the Lord? Christ is the word Christos. It means the anointed one. It means the promised one. It it, it means the one sent of God. God promised a savior. God promised a deliverer. He said that he would send him. That is the Christos, the Messiah, the promised one. Well, verse 11 says, this Savior born in Bethlehem is that Christ. Then it goes on and says, the Lord, the Lord. It is the Greek word kurios. It means the Lord, the master, the one possessing authority, the one sovereign, the chief, the ruler, the Lord. So verse 11 says, the Savior is the Christ, the anointed one promised of God, is the ruler, is the Lord. And friend, listen, verse 11 says, that is the exceeding, astounding good news of great joy delivered by God. Okay, so we have good news. Okay, it's great news. So what does that mean? What does that mean? I want you to listen. I'm going to tell you today on Easter Sunday what that means. Remember the announcement of Christmas is the event of Easter and both are the good news of today. And I want you to follow with me. Go with me. To a lost world hurting in sin, God promised a Savior. And you go back to all the way to Genesis chapter 3. When it says the seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head, God to a hurting people, hurting in their sin, promises a Savior. Their only hope is a Savior. God promises a Savior. Our problem is sin. My problem is sin. Your problem is sin. The shepherds out in the field, their problem was sin. The priests at the temple, their problem was sin. Our problem is sin. And in our sin, we have rejected God. Now, we like to say it maybe more nicely. We like to say, well, I I did this or I failed or whatever. But the truth is, in your sin, in my sin, we have rebelled against God. We have, in practice, rejected God. And in doing so, we have broken our relationship with God. Because of sin, we're awaiting a physical death. Because of sin, we are spiritually dead, estranged from God. We have a broken relationship with a holy God 
That is the problem of people. We got folks trying to figure out what the problem of people is, and we got universities trying to run all this stuff and trying to figure out what the problem of people is. We, we have folks trying to figure out a political way to solve the problem of people. The problem of people is sin, and that in sin, we are estranged from God. Let me tell you something. If we die in that state, we will be eternally punished in our sin, for our sin, and we will spend eternity separated from God. That's the reality. Now here's the issue. We have a problem we can't fix. We have a problem we can't fix. Now we can try, we can't fix it. We can try, and listen, this is talking about us. We can try and forget about our sin. Haven't you tried that? Doesn't work. We can try and put a distance between ourselves and our sin. Guess what? It doesn't work. We can try and we can say, you know what, I'll work off my sin. I regret that I ever did that. I regret I ever went there, but I'll try to work it off. I'll clean myself up. I'll do a bunch of good things. I'll go help a bunch of folks in town. And we do all the good things trying to work off the problem of sin. But guess what? It does not work. In our sin and on our own, we have no remedy. We need to understand that. In our sin, in your sin, you have no remedy. We are lost. You are lost in your sin. Be crystal clear today. In our sin, we are helpless and we are hopeless. Isn't that our world? Isn't that what I started off by describing? Isn't that the, 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 paint, the picture I painted that we live in? 2,000 years ago, God in perfect faithfulness, he had promised the Messiah, God in perfect faithfulness, in love unimaginable, sent his son, Jesus. The Bible says, And God for so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. He gave his son 2,000 years ago. His son is born. His son comes as a person able to save people. He is born for us. He comes as the Christ, the promise of God. He comes as the Savior, the remedy for sinners. He comes as the Lamb, the sacrifice, the payment for sin. That son comes, he walks 33 years on this earth. He never sins. The Bible says, tempted in every way as you were, as I am. As a man, he never fails, he never sins. Because he doesn't, he is able to offer himself as the payment for our sin. As the payment for our sin, your sin and my sin. I want you to understand, I have earned a punishment, death. You have earned a punishment, a penalty, death. Jesus Christ is the payment for your sin. In his 33rd year, he makes his way toward Jerusalem. He'd been there many times before. He'd been there for other celebrations. He'd been there with his family. In his 33rd year, he makes his way to Jerusalem. It's the time of the Passover. It's the time for the nation to remember God as their deliverer. It's to come and to, and to remember when God took the, the blood of the lamb and it was put over the door and he delivered through that. And he makes the trip. This trip is different, however. 
Bible tells us as he comes on this year, this 33rd year, he gets to the top of the hill overlooking Jerusalem. It's uphill till that point. It is downhill into Jerusalem from there. He makes his way to the top of this hill and he overlooks Jerusalem. And he knows that pain is below his pain. He knows that suffering is below his intense suffering. He knows that death is below his own death. And even so, as he sits there, as the Bible says, he weeps over these people for the brokenness of their sin, the rejection of a Savior. Death is ahead. And even so, he spurs this little humble donkey and he goes down into the city. Now, I want you to picture that. The creator of all things, God himself in flesh, the Savior Promise to mankind, the hope of sinners, the King of glory, the Lord of all lords, makes his way down into this city. And there in that city, for sin, for yours and for mine, Jesus is beaten. Jesus is mocked. Jesus is shamed. The Bible says he endures shame. He becomes your sin. He becomes my sin. There in that city, he's jerked up and he's marched outside of the walls of that city. There he is nailed naked to a cross. And there he pays the payment I was supposed to pay. The payment due of me, the payment due of you. There he pays the penalty that we could not pay. That's what the cross is. He pays your payment, my payment for sin. There on the cross, he pays for our redemption, yours and mine. I want us to be very clear today. He pays it there on the cross. He's nailed to the cross. He pays for your redemption. He pays for mine. He doesn't pay it in silver. He doesn't pay it in gold. It's not from somebody's treasury, but he pays it in his own blood that runs out. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so as he makes the transaction, he's not getting out his wallet. He's not giving over silver. He is pouring out his blood. And so as he's making the transaction there on the cross, his blood is running down. They've made fun of him. They've taken a crown of thorns and they pushed it into his head. And the blood, the price of the transaction, is running off his face. And on this cross dying, listen to me. He says the most powerful words ever. Words that only he could say. And with the every sin of every man hanging in the balance and placed solely upon him, our Savior, as he settles the account and as the ledger of sin breaks even, paid in his own life, he says, to telestai. It is finished. Oh, my lands, he paid for my sin. He's paid for your sin. And the transaction was was paid in blood. And as he actually dies and it's paid in his life, he says, to tell us die, paid in full. And he is dead. The Lamb of God, dead. The Prince of Glory, dead. The Giver of Life, The creator of life is dead. Jesus is dead. 
He's taken off of that cross, most likely pulled through the nails. Taken off of that cross, he's hastily wrapped in grave clothes. He's buried in a borrowed tomb nearby. They shut it. They roll a stone in front of it. Jesus has died my death. He's dead. Jesus has died your death. He is dead. He's carried my sin, my shame far away. And in the transaction, he is dead. Are you listening? Are you listening? And as sure as I stand here, Three days later, the Bible says on the first day of the week, there were some ladies that came to the tomb. And they came as the sun came up and they had goods to prepare the body. And they got to the tomb and they ran and they got some others. And I want to tell you, the good news of the gospel of Jesus is this. The good news that was needed from the garden, the good news that is the only hope of sinners, the good news that was purchased and paid for at Calvary, the good news is now eternally paid in the empty tomb of the resurrection. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Friend, I want to tell you, there is nothing left to do. There is nothing left unsettled. The payment for sin is paid. Jesus stands as the risen lamb. He is alive today and we have good news. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Praise the Lord, Jesus is alive. We have good news. We have good news. Praise the Lord. Sin is paid for by faith in Jesus. It's given to us and we are saved. We have good news. Here's the last point. Do you have good news? paid for. It's finished. It's settled. But it's received in faith. Do you have good news? Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. We can't understand your grace. We can't imagine your love we can't imagine your mercy. We know where we've messed up. We see, we know our sin, we hate it. We know you know it. And then in great grace and love, we have the promise that you've paid for it and you settled it. So you took our shame and you carried it far away. You took our sin and you remedied it in the cost of your own blood. You tell us by faith in you we are saved, forgiven, renewed, restored. Lord, I'm thankful for that good news. I pray, Lord, as we come to the conclusion of this time, I pray for two things. I pray for some that have not received the good news by faith. I pray that today they, they won't worry about what the world thinks. They'll set out all the things that would hinder them that today they would trust you and turn to you, Lord. They would be saved by faith, no work of their own. Lord, I pray for those here that have trusted you. We would also understand we have good news. We live in a sorry world that's spinning out of control, but we do so with the risen Savior, a hope that endures. 
I pray, Lord, that we'll be agents, ambassadors of that good news, telling a lost and broken world there is hope. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service, this Easter service, with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you, you've heard the gospel, but the the good news of God's grace is, listen, it's new every day. It doesn't have a limit. His grace is greater than our greatest sin. And as you sit here today and say, oh, I wish I hadn't done those things. Oh, I wish I hadn't rebelled against God. Oh, I wish I'd have listened. Oh, I try to put distance between me and my sin, but I I can't sleep at night. Oh, I wish I had a new start. I want to tell you, there's nothing you can do but you can turn to the one that's done it all, Jesus. And right now, whoever you are in whatever condition you find yourself here, maybe you're smiling, acting like you're all right. If you'll trust Jesus, he'll save you today. If you trust Jesus, he'll forgive you right now. He'll give you a new start, a clean slate. Sin is settled, finished. New life in Jesus. The Bible says we receive that, not of any work that we were to do, not in church membership, not in church attendance. We receive that in faith. And so here's the call. If you've never trusted Jesus, call on him today. Trust him today. Turn to him today. Lord, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry. I hate it. Today I ask you to forgive me. Come into my heart. Save me. Forgive me. If that is your heart, if that is your prayer, and you're honest in it, he will save you today. If you've never done that, do that today. Settle that today. Don't walk out of here without that peace today. Don't walk out of here with the weight of that sin sitting on you today. Turn to Jesus today. He'll save you today. If you've done that, but you've never fallen in believer's baptism, you come as well. And what a great celebration we'll have as we, as we testify to what we believe of Christ and who we are in Christ. Not as part of our salvation, but a celebration, a testimony to it. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You believe God has led you here. You come as well. Man, in these dark days, let's hold this gospel high for his glory, for his namesake. You come as well. Maybe you want to come on an Easter Sunday morning and pray here at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Maybe you're dealing with stuff I don't even know what it is. You know what the Bible says? Nothing's too big, nothing's too small. So maybe you want to come pray here at an altar, pray with me. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about or head for an exit. This truly is the most important time of our service, a time to respond to the truth of God's word. If God has spoken to you, if he's speaking to you, if you want to talk about it further, if you need more information, as we stand to sing, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here. You come on. I'll meet you here.